0: I'm Keith Gruney, the interim CEO for the City of Philadelphia's Division of Aviation, and you're listening to Taking Off with PHL. Philadelphia is one of the country's most LGBTQAI-friendly cities. Here at Philadelphia International Airport, we strongly believe and in practice Pride 365 by supporting and celebrating the LGBTQAI community year-round. Philadelphia is one of the first cities in the world to create an LGBTQAI inclusive tourism ad campaign and the first ever U.S. destination to produce a national TV commercial for the LGBTQAI traveler. Philadelphia is also ranked in the top five best destinations for LGBTQAI travelers and families. And here at PHL, we have been so fortunate to have with us a Stonewall pioneer and Philadelphia Gay News publisher, Mark Siegel. He's been on our airport advisory board since its reconstituted inception in 2010. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today for this wonderful episode.
1: It's great to be with you and I got to tell you the airport is something that means a great deal to me for many reasons. When Ed Rendell became mayor of Philadelphia, he was in a sense the first LGBT friendly ally of mayors across the country. And the way he did that was by appointing LGBT people to various positions throughout the city. He asked me, where would I like to serve? And I told him I would like to serve in the Division of Aviation. And he asked why. And I said, I want to be Philadelphia's first official flying ferry. Then I said, no, I have a passion for aviation and I have a passion for making Philadelphia a destination for LGBT travelers. Likewise, at the same time, at Greater Philadelphia Tourism Managing, which used to be our tourism market here in Philadelphia, Jeff Garcina was preparing a campaign to do just that. And that first campaign, which was revolutionary in its time, slogan was, get your history straight and your nightlife gay. That campaign was the first time any city in America or the world had set out to bring tourists to Philadelphia or to any major city. PHL was a partner in that campaign and worked with us to bring people in and to make them feel welcoming when they came through our airport. That little itty bitty beginning of what we call the tourism, hospitality, LGBT industry is a billions of dollar industry worldwide today. And we pioneered it here in Philadelphia. And the way we pioneered it was by making our airport, which is usually the first place where people get an idea of what a city is like as a place to come through. How did we do that? We put up signage that might have been a rainbow. When there was an LGBT convention coming in town, just like AFL-CIO, you put up a banner, Welcome ACLU. We would put up a banner, Welcome National Lesbian and Gay Journalist Association, or Chamber of Commerce, whatever it happened to be. We've used our art program similarly. While we've highlighted Latino Heritage Month and Black History Month, we've also done the same thing with LGBT History Month and showcased art from the culture of the gay community. We've also demonstrated and displays throughout the terminals on LGBT history and how Philadelphia and Pennsylvania played a major part in the role for LGBT history. Very few people up until that exhibit realized that Pennsylvania's LGBT history goes back to 1965 or 75, whichever pinpoint you want to use, first demonstrations in America or here in Philadelphia outside Independence Hall. Well, we get a display about that at PHL, the first recognition of LGBT people by a state government was here in Pennsylvania in 1975. Again, our history display talked about that and all the changes that made. So Mark, in
0: 1976, you founded the Philadelphia Gay News, one of the most awarded weekly newspapers in the U.S. Congratulations. What has been your 45-year
1: journey? What has that been like for you? constant change, trying to figure out what the latest news story is, like any newspaper, but our newspaper is geared specifically towards the LGBT community. So while some people might be looking at how gay rights will affect the entire city, we would look at how it will affect the LGBT community. Perfect example was there was a time period, believe it or not, when LGBT couples couldn't get married. It was a time when they weren't recognized and so we went to the city and said well like other employees we would like our LGBT employees to get benefits and what benefits are they therefore our domestic partner which was the term you used at that point so anybody who had a long-term relationship we would try to find a way to get benefits. And the most important benefit for any couple, of course, are health benefits. And we worked with the various agencies and department of the city, again, the airport was part of this, to come up with a proposal to do that. And then we were able to present that to Keystone Blue Cross, and they became one of the first health providers to offer domestic partners benefits. So again, Philadelphia and PHL have become leaders simply because one mayor decides that he's going to bring LGBT people into the government in some capacity.
0: Amazing what one person can do to open the doors. That's great. In the Philadelphia area, you're somewhat of a legend. And I'm not sure if you're fully aware that we have listeners to this podcast from around the country and around the world. You know, it might be important for you to tell us a little bit more about your uh, story. You know, you talked about some of your activism, but who is Mark Siegel? What should our listeners know about you?
1: Okay, I'm old. I'm now 71 years old. And if you grew up at my time in the 1950s and 60s, everything about LGBT was illegal and invisible. You couldn't be a doctor. You couldn't be a lawyer. Most people thought you were immoral, illegal, needed medical help. If you wanted to find out as you were growing up and you realized who you were and wanted to find out what a gay man was, what a lesbian woman was, you might go to a library and there you might just find five books that would tell you that you are a homosexual and a homosexual is immoral more illegal that was it and we were invisible because we weren't talked about we weren't talked about on tv we weren't talked about on radio we were invisible so I thinking I was the only LGBT person gay man in Philadelphia when I graduated high school at 18 on May 16th 1969 I moved to New York That date's very important to me because it meant to me that I was going to find my community. And to me, that meant finding the gay community in New York, which I did on Christopher Street. And as an 18-year-old, my life at 18 years old was walking up and down Christopher Street Every night, with, talking to with my friends, as 18-year-olds do, about fashion, about friends, about celebrities, politics, what have you. And then at the end of that night, almost every night at 18, I would do what every 18-year-old wants to do. I want to dance. Well, the only place you could do that in the whole city of New York in 1969 was a place called Stonewall. And on that last Saturday in June, I happened to be in the bar, as usual, and all of a sudden, the lights snapped on and off and I asked my friend what's going on I'd only been in New York for six weeks and they said oh very casually it's another raid and I was scared but it wasn't just another raid usually police will come in take money and leave this time they burst through the doors they started busting up the bar smashing anything they could throwing bottles around and throwing people like me up against the wall and calling us everything you could possibly think of and the first thought in my mind was, gee, we'll call the police. Well, you can't call the police when it's the police who are doing it. And it just solidified everything that I had in my mind of how society thought about us, meaning gay people. And it got me angry. As they started letting us out of the bar, a group of us stood around the door. And eventually, the police wanted to leave. At that point, we began throwing things at the door, whatever we had, thrown from the, the street change in our pockets, an empty can of soda, whatever. They went back into the bar. And eventually, uh, they had to call for reinforcements. And I got to tell you, that must have been very embarrassing for them to have to call and ask for uh, reinforcements. At about the same time, a guy by the name of Marty Robinson came up to me and gave me a piece of chalk and said, tomorrow, please write on the walls and on the street, tomorrow night, Stonewall well that led to the second night of stonewall where marty robinson and martha shelley spoke from the steps of the stonewall people asked me how many nights was stonewall and i like to say it was 365 because between stonewall and first anniversary gay liberation was formed from the ashes of stonewall and there for the first time we started to discuss our own identity rather than letting society identify us we were going to be out well, wow. And proud. We decided that we were going to create community where there was none. Rather than society making us hide in the shadows, we were going to create organizations. We were going to create legal alerts. We were going to create medical alerts. We were going to create uh, social activities. We demonstrated against the media. We demonstrated outside police. And at the end of that very first year, to celebrate what we had created and to mark Stonewall, we created the first gay. Up until that point, there was no demonstration in America where more than 100 people had ever come out to march. So we had no idea how many people would come out for that very first gay pride. I was a marshal because we expected violence and we had to take civil disobedience lessons. By the time we left Christopher Street and had walked to 17th Street, I had climbed the pole and looked back and people were still leaving Christopher Street. We had somewhere between five and fifteen thousand people. We had created a movement within one year. And that's why I say it was three hundred and sixty-five days. Now, if you look around the world today, you will see, see prides in almost every major city in the world. It has now went from that five to fifteen thousand, depending on if you believe the FBI report, which reported on it, or the New York Times report. New York Times 15. FBI 5000. That's how I knew those things. Today, there are millions of people coming out for gay prides around the world.
0: And some of them we bring into PHL. And we're always happy to do that. I'm always fascinated to hear your story. You know, I made mention at the, the beginning of this that you are a legend. Maybe it is because we're getting older that we've become legends, but living and making history, which was probably not your intent at the time but you know, just the fact that you were there and you're sharing that with us is just fantastic. I, I really appreciate that, Mark.
1: But the better part of it is that after three years with that lesson I learned from both Stonewall Gay Liberation Front, I came home and was able to continue that activism in the city I love, my own hometown, and I brought some of that with me, and that helped us lead to getting eventually to disruptions of TV shows, which gave more visibility, which brought more people on other talk shows, which led to Governor Shap, which created the first Governor's Council for Sexual Minorities, first government agency to look at LGBT people and the issues they have with state government in 1975, the first liaisons. Those things you can find in almost every city and state in America today. And we led that here from Pennsylvania and Philadelphia.
0: Mark, there's been so much progress made in the last 50 years, and and you've been in the middle of, uh, of a lot of it. But we know that there's still so much more to do. What are you currently advocating
1: for? I'd like to see the Equality Act passed through Congress and Senate. I'd like to see marriage codified by the United States Senate, which I hope will happen within the next few months. We're always concerned that since the Supreme Court ruled on it, but it wasn't made via law... It could also be overturned sometime. So we need to have it go through the Senate and the House. That's important. Those are domestic issues. I'm also concerned about LGBT seniors and the most endangered in our community. Also LGBT youth and bullying, those are issues. But there's also issues that concern me around the world. And I've recently been speaking about pride and Stonewall in other countries. But I look to countries that I can't go to and talk to the LGBT community. I can't go to Saudi Arabia. I can't go to some places in the Middle East. I can't go to places in Africa and Eastern Europe because I wouldn't be welcome as an LGBT person, whether it be for business or tourism. Unbelievable. There are over 200 businesses
0: here at the airport, as well as federal government agencies that have staff here at PHL. And I'm happy to say that in 2019, the airport hosted the first ever trans work job fair in hopes of increasing access to opportunities for transgender people in the greater Philadelphia region. It's all about providing access and opportunities, in my mind at least. And, you know, I wanted to point that out also as uh, another example of how we're embracing
1: the communities. You've been partners in every aspect of government that we've worked on, and it's been great to have you side by side with us as we go testifying in various agencies, or we ask you to make sure there's sensitivity towards one part of our community. You've done that, and we thank you for being a partner, because if you show visibility, that means other people get educated on the issue. If you get educated on the issue, that brings progress. Communication is what we need. Visibility
0: brings communication. Mark, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to spend with us today. And I really want to thank you for your leadership and your support in all of your years with the advisory board. Hopefully, we'll make it another 15, 20 years. (laughs) And for our audience, to learn more about Mark and the Philadelphia Gay News, please visit epgn.com. And to learn more about Philadelphia International Airport, please visit phl.org. Again, I'm Keith Bruni, and thank you very much for listening today.